wonder where that came from, fall for all. I have no idea. My name is Ed Hires. I'm one of the pastors here at Shiloh. We're glad that you are here with us today. Today will be our last message in the series, Game Changer, How God's Word is a Win for Everyone. We've spent these last number of weeks studying this amazing, you know, unbelievable, majestic uh, book called the Bible. And hopefully some of the things you've heard and seen will have attracted you to get more involved in reading and studying God's Word. Today our message is entitled, Good to the Core. All right, uh, We've been using popular games to illustrate uh, some aspect of the Bible. And uh, who, by looking at this, can tell us what are we going to be discussing today? Jenga! All right, a little background on Jenga, but before we do, play it. Jenga, Jenga, J-j-j-jenga. You take a block from the bottom and you put it on top. You take a block from the middle and you put it on top. That's how you build a tower, you just don't stop. You gotta build that tower putting blocks on top. And it teeters and it totters as you build it all up. It weebles and it wobbles, but you don't give up. You take a block from the bottom and you put it on top. You take a block from the middle and you put it on top. Till someone knocks it over and that's when you stop. But you start all over putting blocks on top. Jenga from Irwin. Great game with a strange name. Who remembers that? All right. Gray hairs. We all remember those. The 70s. The 70s. This was created by a family by the name of Scott. Last name of Scott. And they first developed this when they purchased wooden blocks from a lumber uh, mill in Ghana. Okay, in Ghana. And believe it or not, this word Jenga, which most people think is just a made-up word, it's not. It's actually taken from the Swahili word kujenga, and that's where they got Jenga. And it's chosen two reasons. One, it has African roots, obviously being a Swahili name in this game coming out of Africa. And also, that word means to build. So that's where this came from. It was actually introduced, it was created in the 70s, but introduced in 1983 at the London Toy Fair. And from that point on, the rest is history. Now, many of you are sitting out there saying, Ed, we have this question that we need you to answer, but you're, you don't want to ask it, so I'm going to tell you, I know. I know. You want to know how many Jenga games have been sold since it was created and put commercially in 1983. How many do you think have been sold? 80 million games. Come on, And I know your next question. Your next question is, Ed, how many blocks does that represent? 4.3 billion. And your next question, how much money do these people make? 1.6 billion. Come on. That was a very good trip to the lumber mill. All right, as amazing as that is, we're now going to get into the spiritual side of our uh, message today. So, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of this block, this cube, as your life, okay? I want you to think of it as your life, and I want you to think of each of these different pieces of wood, each of these blocks, as a trait or a part of your life. And the outside blocks, those are all on the outside, we're going we're gonna to look at those as being perhaps bad traits, and the middle blocks, the core blocks that actually go down the center on different sides. We're going to look at those as the, as the good traits. The core blocks are your good traits. So, 
Understand that the game of Jenga is not just a random take one out from the bottom, put it on top. It's actually a very strategic game. And one of the things you would learn if you played it was that it's the, it's the strategic understanding that the core blocks are what really strengthen and balance it. The outside blocks are the ones that really usually make it fall, okay, when you take one of those off. Those, those center blocks are the thing that really give it the strength. So in order to do this and not have to keep running back and forth, I will need an attractive volunteer from the audience. Oh, okay, yeah, come on up. All right, yes, you're a hand. Wow, wow, you're really cute. All right, so now, for example, we're going to now demonstrate my thoughts. So remember, the outside blocks are the bad blocks. So let's have our lovely assistant take out one of the outside blocks and let's see what trait it represents. Ooh. Hold it around. Gossip. Mm. So Proverbs says, gossip separates good friends. So if you ever had someone gossip about you and found out, are they your good friend anymore? No. No. So, could we have another trait? Take another outside block that the people might be able to see? Ooh, what's this one? Oh, fear. All right. So what does, what does James say about fear? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, right? But of power and love and a sound mind. Okay, let's do one more. One more. Ooh. What's this one? Oh, pride. Pride comes what? Before a fall. That's right, before we fall. So, let me ask you a question. We've got three there. Give me some other kind of negative, bad blocks that you could do. You have three here, but there's so many. Give me a couple. What's that? Jealousy. Good one. You have to repeat them because I don't. Say again. Greed. Yell them out. Worry. Worry. Good one. Selfishness. Humility. Humil- oh, lack of humility. Envy. Okay, so the, the, the issue here is that, you know, there's, there's quite a few things that can come into our lives, are in our lives, that are not the traits that we would like to have. So they're the outside blocks. So now what we'll do, now notice, by the way, Though we've taken these out, it's still very solid, okay? Didn't wobble even. It, uh, and why? Because the core blocks, the ones that are right down the middle that really hold things up, they stayed in place, okay? So, assistant, could you put those back in as we proceed with our analogy to Jenga? Now, we're going to pull out some of the core blocks, but before we do, At the very bottom of this is what we would call what? Foundation, okay? And notice that throughout the entire game of Jenga, it never moves. It's always there. It's always solid. So here's what 1 Corinthians 3.11 says. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So in our imaginary world, I want you to picture this last, this, this foundation 
core as Jesus, okay? It doesn't change. It always is there. It's always solid, all right? He is the foundation of your life and of my life. So now what we're going to do, just like we did the bad traits, we're going to pull out some of the good traits, some of the core values that you and I should and do embrace. So, Sistine, could you pull out our first core value? Now, notice this core value is all the way at the bottom, just about. So it holds up. It has the greatest weight and strength, and it is faith, okay? So Hebrews 11.6 says this in the King James, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So let's expand on that a bit by reading it out of the Amplified. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. I love this scripture, but to me it's such a, it it makes you think it's impossible to walk with God, to please him without faith. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in any category that's impossible for me to relate to God. This scripture is so important. And it says this, what does faith give us the ability to do? Two things in the scripture, right? One is that we are able to confess that God is real, that he exists. Not only do we confess that to ourselves or believe that, but we have the ability now to share that with others, that God is really real. And then the second thing, which I love, because I come out of a religion where this was not the way we saw God, it says this, that when you believe I exist, I also want you to believe that I am a rewarder. Okay, that's how I want you to look at me. I am a rewarder. As you diligently seek me, it is my heart, my desire to reward you. It's not my desire to keep track of everything you do wrong, and ultimately give you the, you know, the squeeze when you do enough wrong. It's not that. God here says, I want you to know I exist, but I also want you to know that I'm a rewarder. I mean, he's a good father, and sometimes he needs to keep us from going down paths that will ultimately destroy us or destroy his work for you in his kingdom. But, but faith is that God exists and he is a rewarder. And, and what is faith, okay? So here's what... Uh, Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So that defines it pretty well. So what I brought here is actually a title. It's a title deed that I own, that, I, that is a title deed to two acres of land outside of Fort Myers, Florida. I bought it online, knew, knew roughly the, the area where it was. I bought it. I've never seen it. Can't tell you what it looks like around it. I've never walked on it. I, you, know, I've, you know, here it is. This is all I know. Do I own it? Do I believe I own it? Why? I have a title. I have a title deed to something I've never saw. But guess what? If I find out, 
that you're squatting on my land, guess what I can do? I can call the police. I can send them an image of this, and they will go throw you off my land. Even though I've never seen it, I've never been there. You see, that's what it says faith is. It says it's the title deed. It's a title deed of things that we've never, that we don't see with our eyes. It's not a physical thing. We believe it. We have faith in it. So how do, what's the most uh, uh, important area to apply our faith? The promises of God. You see, sometimes God's promise is not evident in your life. But God says, have faith. Capture it as being your own. Take it as if you can see the evidence of that. And I don't know about you, but every one of our lives has a need to be able to have a title deed to something we're believing for, something that we're praying for, something that we need. And how does it come? It says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. See, faith grows as we hear the message of the gospel. And the message of the gospel is singularly Jesus Christ, by the way. But that relationship with Jesus Christ is defined in his word. And that's how we grow our faith. You know, when I came to church today, I came to our prayer meeting, I was a mess. I just, I I won't go into detail, but I was struggling. And the fact that I had to be in this pulpit today was not exciting for me, not at all. But I couldn't, nothing I could do. I was scheduled and I had prepared my message. But I came to the prayer meeting and one of the, three of the people there just prayed scripture over me, just prayed into my life. And you know, God just is amazing. And, and as a result of the word they knew, they prayed over me, and my faith just rose up as I heard the word of God and, and reminded myself of who I am in him. So here's a question I have for you. Is there something in your life that you have settled on because it, it just never came true after you prayed and you waited, maybe you even fasted? Is there something you've accepted that God wouldn't want you to accept. Maybe it's a marriage issue. Maybe it's a, it's a health issue. Maybe it's a, a child issue. Uh, maybe it's an addiction you have that you just don't know how to beat. But see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Get into God's word. Have people that you love and trust pray God's word for you. You know, it's great sometimes to pray, oh, you know, I, God, just do something. It's much more important to be able to pray specific scriptures. You know, 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You know, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you and on and on. So faith is our first and our, of our core building blocks. So assistant, would you take out our next building block? our core building block, and let's see what that one says. Oh, knowledge. Okay, so here's what Hosea 4.6 says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And Jesus said this in Matthew, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. You see, our ability to walk with God relies not only on our faith, but our knowledge. You know, faith is what starts us and gets us saved. But knowledge allows us to move past that time of salvation 
to walking with God and experiencing his power, not only in our own lives, but in the lives that God sends into our path. Knowledge is so important. Now, the Apostle Paul says this, and if you know Paul, Paul never minced words, right? He was pretty, pretty to the point. You don't work, you don't eat. That was Paul. All right, so take that into consideration as you read this. Hebrews 5, and it says this, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be able to, to be teaching others. Instead, you, still isn't in there, but you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through the training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I mean, wow, that was a pretty direct, to the point uh, statement by Paul. And then Peter, the opposite, Peter tends to be a little kinder, more gentler, says this in 1 Peter 2, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation, cry out for this nourishment. You see, there's this need for us to not stay where we are when we get saved. And there's a need to continue to grow. I don't care how long you walk with the Lord. You still have a walk as long as you take a breath. And God has purposes for us. Sometimes in our frustration, in our hurts, in our weaknesses, we just kind of coast along wherever we find ourselves. God would call us out of that lethargy. One of my top 10 scriptures, Psalm 119, 165, abundant peace belongs to those who love your instruction. Nothing can make them stumble. In the King James, great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. You see, God's law, God's instruction in this verse is God's word. And, you know, the word is a page that's a millimeter thick from the natural, but it has like a hundred feet of depth every single page, and you'll get something out of it every time you read it that can be different. So we add to our faith knowledge, and that allows us to walk in the path that God would have us, and that's another, that's why it's another core. Now, so we have faith and we have knowledge, and that will materialize into our next core block. Unity, okay? Romans 12:18 says this, "Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody." Wow. Okay? Come on. We're Americans. We have rights. You violate my right, I'm going to retaliate. Right? Come on. Chris, what's the story here? Come on. All right. But you see, here's what God's word says. Ed, it's your responsibility to live at peace with everyone. See, I can live at peace with my wife most times. I can do that. Okay? But boy, if I have to live at peace with Dave, I don't know how I could do that. I mean, he's such a pain. Just, just kidding, Dave. But, 
But you see, we all have people in our lives that are hard to get along with, right? How many of you go to Christmas dinner dreading some member of your family that's going to be there? No hands, please. No hands, because that person could be here. All right? You see, Ephesians 4.3 says something very similar. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I have to tell you, the church of Jesus Christ, what's their one biggest stumbling block? Unity. Oh my gosh. You know, there was a church at Ephesus. There was a church at Philippi. There, there were churches, not churches like on every street corner, not churches with all kinds of different dogma or doctrine. There were churches in houses that all believed the same and all walked together. But over time, the church became splintered. Denominations uh, built up. All kinds of weird stuff came in. And unity went out. It says in Ephesians 4.3 that unity brings peace. Unity and peace are literally married. Where there is unity, there will always be peace. Where there is lack of unity, there is not peace. If you're a family, have you ever had disunity in your family? Have you ever had somebody do something that the rest of the family wants to kill them over? You know, have you ever had brothers and sisters that can't get along? What does that lack of unity bring? Lack of peace. You know, if you're a parent and you're going through that, man, nothing will bring me to my, my knees more than watching my kids go through stuff. So, peace and unity, hand in hand. We experience peace from God the more we are one with God. That is the truth. So we have faith. Faith, adding knowledge to that, empowers it. It brings about unity that then manifests itself in our next block, if you would remove that. And this is an amazing, amazing core value. And it is gentleness. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You know, sometimes what God will do to you when you have the right to say something really caustic, if you're listening, God will tell you, as he told me once, with someone I was going to, you know, do something horrific because of all the pain they had caused me, God said to me, you apologize. And I said, yeah, <laughs> that would be a cold day and you know where. Okay. Which I wouldn't recommend saying to God, by the way. I didn't. That's not good. Uh, but I fought that. I fought it. I fought it. And finally, I had to meet with this person. And, and I've mentioned this before in more detail. But anyway, we came in just ready to do battle. And I started by, <laughs> I will be honest with you, I didn't mean it. I really didn't mean it. But I did what God told me to do, and it totally broke the person. It's been a good situation ever since, years later. And now, because of what happened, I really now I know I did mean it. Gentleness. You see, Matthew 11 says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Soul is many times our emotions, you know, the things that we deal with in this life versus our spirit. And 
and the soul is made up of experiences and all kinds of different things. And Jesus says, hey, Ed, get in this yoke with me. If you know, I know you know about yokes, put two oxen in. The reason they do that is because oxen are stubborn and strong. But when you put them together, they have to match. They have to walk together. They can't run off one way or another. And it, it makes it such an efficient way to do what you're going to do. But Jesus said, Ed, if you get in a yoke with me, you're going to like this because why? I'm gentle and humble in spirit. You know, I don't know about you. You may not realize this, but you are thankful to God more than you know that he is gentle. Because if I were God, I wouldn't deal with me sometimes the way he deals with me. That's why I'm glad he's God, and I'm glad I'm in a yoke with him. You see, we learn as we have faith, as we have knowledge, as we become one who strives to bring peace and unity to everybody we know, there's this learning of this gentleness. And I will tell you this, if you are a gentle person, you are someone that people love to be friends with. Gentle people are just few and far between so many times in this world, especially in this country. But gentle, loving people. I used the example in the first service of Greg Vaccaro. Greg is a very gentle man. And sometimes I can be strong and opinionated. I know, I know it doesn't seem that way, but I can. And, and I will sometimes get animated with Greg about something, and he usually responds with something like this, now Ed. And I know I'm in trouble when it's now Ed, right? And he goes on to explain to me maybe a different view, but he does it gently. He never does it with any kind of aggressiveness. And that's why I can respond so well to that, as, it, as can you. So, we're only going to do one more, and I want you to notice that this one is right at the very, pretty much at the very top of the core ones, because it overshadows and covers everything else, and that is love. 1 John 4, 7, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. See, there's a lot of adjectives that describe God. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's caring, he's giving, he's powerful, he's this, that, and the other. But this is not an adjective. This is a noun. God is loving, but he is also love. He embodies the very essence of love. God asks us to join him in this core value. Now, loving someone is not about loving them because of something. I love my wife, okay? I love a number of you that I know well, all right? I love someone who can benefit me, okay? You know, you have something I want. I love you for giving it to me, all right? That's not what we're talking about. For God so loved the, that he sent his son, his only son. And, and Jesus died for everyone, including the people that had driven the nails in his hand, the people that had spit in his face, the people that had pushed the crown of thorns on his head. He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God is love, and he asks us to join him in that. Jesus, when asked, Tell us the greatest commandment. Tell us the greatest thing that God has ever said to man. Jesus said what we kind of would expect him to say. He said, you're to love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he went on and he said, the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I, I think that that's a whole different message that, that, that Jesus would say this second one is like the first. That's amazing to me. But you know what? That changed before Jesus died. Jesus took his disciples aside and said, look, a new commandment I give you. I'm changing what I said before. No longer do I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to love your neighbor what? As I have loved you. You see, you've experienced the living God through me and the love I've had for you. You've watched my compassion. When you were exhausted and could hardly stand up, I continued to heal people one after another. I raised people from the dead. I did all types of things thousands of times. Slept very little. Was all night in prayer. And I did this all for you. I want you to love others. Have, as you have seen me love others. Very high command. Another one of my favorite scriptures. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. You know, it's a tricky scripture. What does that really mean? What, you know, so if I love Jody, does my love cover your sins? I don't know how that happens. Because I can't forgive your sins, I can't do anything. But what does it mean? So let's go to the amplifier. Excuse me. Let's go to First uh, Peter four eight. That same one in the amplified. Above all, have a fervent and unfailing love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. So what this means is that I can overlook your sin and love you. This is a command to us that if you want to assist somebody in life, you can forgive them, you can accept from them those things that should hurt you, that your love for them will cover the effect it has on you. And you will be like God, loving those that are unlovable. And I believe that will also give them an opportunity to find their way back to a loving God. So, We've had five things. Faith, impossible to please God without it. We need that knowledge to our faith so that we can walk with our God in a way that he would have us to walk with him. As we do that, we bring unity to our families, to our, to our marriages, to our uh, churches, to our job sites. And as we build our faith with knowledge and we come into this unity, by very nature, you become more gentle. In order to bring unity, which is 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 married to peace, you just become more gentle as a person. And that gentleness allows you to love the way God would have you to love. Jesus said, I am gentle and humble of spirit. As you become gentle, you become like Jesus. Unity is easier. Loving others is such a key element to bring that unity and gentleness into the body of Christ. So we... We started out by taking out those outside blocks and, and putting them on top. And, and kind of that would illustrate something in your life that now is really affecting you. It's really something you have to deal with. As long as those core blocks are in, those hold up 
those issues of sorts and, and take away that imbalance and actually allow you to be healed of those situations. But see, as Christians, if we get lazy in our faith or if we're, we're not really walking as God would have us walk, then when one of those issues really hits us, something really can happen. When that happens, we suffer loss. And that loss, notice, it didn't destroy your life. It's still there. Jesus is still your foundation, but it caused damage in our lives. And see, Jesus said, I want to be a rewarder of what? Those who diligently seek me. And if we spend 90% of our time in this life doing what this life requires, it's hard. It's hard to keep our core values where they really need to be. Now, God's a good God, so after this happens, he kind of lifts up over time and replaces those and gets you back on the level. And he ultimately builds back some of the things but you know what? What he really wants you to do is to take and slide those core values in, which is hard to do now because it's fallen over. So I want to encourage you this week. I want you to take a look at some of the core values we came up with. There's many more. There's patience, you know, another core value, prayer. There's so many. But what is it in your life that God would challenge you, would encourage you, to draw close to him. And what, is, what are you struggling with? Where are you finding it hard in this life? I encourage you to dig into the word of God, to find out what God says, to get the promises of God again. Maybe you've had them, but they didn't work. I want you to get them again and stir up that faith, stir up the gift that's in you. And I believe as you look at the Jenga of your life, that as those core values get stronger and stronger. Not only do you deal with the, the outer edge issues in your life, but you're able to bring those to others. And you're able to help them get their life back on the level. Stand with me as we pray, please. So Father, I know in my Jenga, in my life, there are areas where, Father, I just, I need to press into you. There's some things, Lord, that I have just settled for. But Lord, as I look at some of these, these issues of faith and knowledge and, and unity and gentleness and, and love, Lord, I, I, can, I can definitely seek you for so many, in so many different ways in these areas. And Lord, you're a, you are a rewarder. You promise, as I seek you, to add, add and grow my faith, add and grow my knowledge and my and my unity, and my gentleness, and my love. Father, I pray that this week, that all of us will press in to some core values that you would have. You would have for us to be able to walk with you the way you'd have us to walk with. Search our hearts, Father. Know our ways, and show us how do we walk closer and more powerfully with you, our God who is love. I pray this in Jesus' your precious holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for uh, coming. And if you need ministry in any way for anything, please come up and let us uh, pray with you. All right. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.
hear me turn these words into a song For them to sing along to when I'm gone For them to sing along to when I'm gone Oh Lord, let me be the one to set them free I will give them every part of me Put my heart where everyone You can call me whatever you want, but that won't change me. I just don't care what the world says. I'm gonna make it. They can call me whatever they want. So what if I am crazy? crazy.